0: Welcome, to the Black Light Protocol, a Red King Creations production. Dear listener, I have for you a story. I've decided to share it because it causes me to think and it causes me to wonder. The truth is hard to find in this narrative, I'll warn you of that. Perhaps the truth isn't to be found in the events that take place. After all, truth exists on multiple dimensions. I wonder if you'll be able to find it. I was contacted by Miss Harris some time ago, and will read to you the story as best as I am to relate it. The Testament of Cameron Harris. Thank you. I I can feel as though this story is like a weight on my shoulders. I've thought a lot about how to tell you what happened, but all I can think of is the truth. It was last year when mom and dad got the divorce. I guess they separated for the reason that most people do. Wasn't a big surprise, not to the kids. That didn't make us feel any better. To be fair, as far as divorces go, it went pretty well. It was civil. Dad had a good job, and so we let mom have the house in exchange for a good visitation deal. Mom didn't want the house, so she sold it, which kind of pissed my dad off, but I guess that's whatever at this point. Anyways, we move into this new house, and there's nothing special about it. It was old, didn't feel as old when it was here. I don't know. There'd been several renovations done, and mostly kept up to date. At the very least, it was nice to have a house that wasn't filled with memories of you know, a failed marriage. Mom got herself a new job at the bank, and it was only 20 minutes away. That left me at home with my sister, Alex, who was 15 at the time, and the baby, Connor. he just turned one. I remember Alex getting a phone call, and she came in begging me for my car keys. She said something about there being a party at her friend's house, and since I didn't have any plans, I let her go. I know she didn't have her license yet, but she'd driven me around a time or two, and it wasn't that far away, so I didn't think it was a big deal. After she left, I went and got Connor's playpen from his room and brought it to the living room. I made sure he was changed and gave him a full bottle and let him play while I watched TV. It was a lazy day, not much to watch, not much to do, so I let cooking shows play and scrolled through my phone. I'd been there for a little bit when I heard the doorbell ring, and then shortly after that, a knock. I jumped up and opened it to find what I assumed to be our next door neighbors. They were both old, the woman kind of looked like one of those summer moms that spent way too much time in the sun. She just introduced herself, like, Hey there, my name is Helen. This is my husband, Donnie. I made you a sweet potato casserole, just as a welcome gift. I was kind of just like, Gee, thanks. You know, it was kind of weird. You'd only ever seen this kind of interaction on TV. But Donnie was standing behind her. He's the one that caught my eye and kind of freaked me out. He was tall kind of a lean guy like he wasn't skinny but he wasn't big or anything but the way he eyed me up and down his thick bushy mustache wiggled a little he gave off some kind of pedophile vibes i don't know he was just creepy i've seen the way guys look at me sometimes right there's something about this donnie guy something that made me uneasy When I came to that realization, I actually kind of looked down at myself and realized what I was wearing. Now, I wasn't like, you know, scantily clad. I was in gym shorts. I don't know. They looked at me like it was too risque or something. Helen kind of tilted her head and gave me a once over and sighed. Oh, honey. Or something condescending like that. At the time, it wasn't a big deal, right? You know, sometimes older people are just like that. Anything that's not down to your ankles is a sin. But I remember so vividly your Donnie's eyes, and the way he looked at me. It was like he was hungry. I thanked them again and did my best to politely shoo them away. It took a moment, but eventually they left. After I closed the door, I realized I was sweating. My stomach felt strange. I felt sick. I put the casserole in the kitchen counter with no intentions of eating it, and I went to check on Connor. He was fine, just playing with his toys. I don't know what it was, but after meeting the neighbors, I was feeling restless. I felt weird. I couldn't sit still for very long, so I figured a shower was in order went back to Connor's room and got his baby monitor and went to my mom's room and got the other part. That way I could listen to him while I was in the bathroom. It was about this time it was starting to get dark. I was texting Alex to see if she was fine, and she was, so everything was good. But it was about that moment the lights flickered in the house. It was strange. I couldn't remember hearing any storms on the news or anything, but thought it was one of those weird quirks that old houses have. I didn't think much of it. Anyway, I got in the shower, and I had the baby monitor cranked so I could hear if he started crying. I hadn't been in the shower very long when I heard the monitor make a noise. It sounded like static at first, but it was enough to catch my attention, and I heard it again and again. Then I realized it wasn't static. It wasn't Connor. It almost sounded like someone whispering. Shh. Over and over again. In a panic, I jumped out of the shower, but I slipped and I hit the towel really hard. I remember opening my eyes and listening to the shower still running as the lights continued to flicker, and then they went out. The whole house went dark. I got up as quick as I could, but the floor was still wet and I almost fell again. When I got to the living room, I saw it. It looked like a person, like a really creepy tall person standing over Connor's playpen. The worst part about it was they were naked. I screamed. It's all I knew to do. It's all I could do was just scream. Someone was in our house taking my baby brother. As soon as I did, it turned around and light filled every window. It was almost like someone had set up stadium lights outside our house and turned them on at the same time. Thick beams like lasers cut through the house, and you could hear a sound of humming, like the sound you hear when you're next to an electric generator. It hums so loud and so deep, I felt my whole body vibrate. That's when I saw its face. I see it now, as clear as day, every time I close my eyes. It was an elongated face. Big, black eyes, kind of like a shark's, and it looked at me, the same expression that I had seen earlier, on Donnie's face, I mean, they were hungry. And wrapped up in his arms was my little brother, Connor. Its mouth opened and its body hunched forward, like it was screaming at me, but I didn't hear anything. All I could hear was the vibrating hum. I was beginning to get lightheaded. My whole body was tingling. And then it just ran. It moved in such an unnatural way, I don't even know how to describe. It was fluid, smooth, but like a spider moves. I knocked over furniture and ran down the hallway. I don't know what overcame me, but I was so scared, I couldn't even think. I just remember chasing. I couldn't even really think about it. I just ran as fast as I could, but it was no use, I couldn't catch it. It ran out of the house and into the backyard. But everything was so bright. That's when the lights turned off. The humming stopped. I was left in the backyard alone. I called out to Connor. I called out until I couldn't speak, looked all over the house, back inside, outside, he wasn't in the yard, he wasn't, he was gone. I don't remember what time the cops got there, I didn't call them, I can just remember waking up in an ambulance, surrounded by cops. After that, it was just an endless loop of telling people my story. The cops didn't believe me. My parents, they stuck me in a psychiatric hospital for six months. Once the doctors realized they couldn't find anything wrong with me, they finally let me go. Things at the house weren't the same. Couldn't just talk about it. I mean, what else was there to say? Since then, I've tried to come up with something, anything, that would explain what happened. Cops just kept telling me I was wrong. Just wasn't right. I'm not okay. I haven't been. And I know that I never will be. It's just a fact of my life now. The doctors keep suggesting that maybe I come and live in a group home with people who have similar stories. Maybe that's for the best. The medicine that I have, it helps, helps me forget, I kind of just float through the day. Anyway, I'm sure you've seen the news, I'm sure you've seen what everyone else says about what happened. It's not true. I get why they say things like that, they're just trying to explain it, but they can't explain it, and they won't accept the truth. They want answers. but truth is, there aren't any, and I just have to live with that. Addendum, police report by Jared Blankenship. On June 11th, 2019, at approximately 1932 hours, a call was received from Alex Harris. She reported coming home from a party to find her sister, Cameron Harris, and younger brother, Connor Harris, missing from their home. I arrived on scene and found Alex Harris standing in the front yard. I asked her what happened prior to my arrival. She explained that she had gone to a party, leaving her older sister, Cameron Harris, and her brother Connor Harris at home alone. Upon returning home, Alex found furniture knocked over and the power out, along with blood in the bathroom and the shower still running. Both her sister and brother were missing from the home. I searched the house and confirmed Alex's story. The shower was still running, even when I went inside the water all over the floor and blood smeared across the tiles. From the bathroom, a blood trail led to the living room where a child's playpen had been knocked over, along with the couch and side table. The blood trail was picked up again in the opposite hallway, leading the back door of the home. The back door itself was broken, hanging on a single hinge. Investigating the backyard, I made my way to a forested area toward the back of the property. Approximately 15 yards into the forest, I found Cameron Harris. She was naked, unconscious, and covered in blood. She also had red stripes across her body, like concentrated sunburns. I called for backup, and at approximately 1,945 hours, Lieutenant Woods arrived on scene along with the ambulance. Cameron Harris reported taking a shower when she heard something strange in the baby monitor. She quickly exited the shower to see what was happening when she slipped and fell. She then ran into the living room to find a naked figure kidnapping her brother. The kidnapper reportedly fled the scene and Cameron pursued into the woods where she then lost sight of the figure. Strange details that were of note were that the power reportedly flickered and shut off abruptly. Then, during the kidnapping, bright lights beamed into the house. It was also mentioned that two of the nearby neighbors, Helen and Donnie Chapman, had visited the Harris home prior to the events that evening. When canvassing the scene, it was discovered that Donnie Chapman had been missing for almost an hour prior to my arrival on the scene. When forensics arrived on scene, the lead was pursued. Footprints were found outside of the home next to the bathroom and near the back door. It was also discovered that the casserole given to the Harrises was spiked with ketamine. The K9 unit picked up the scent on the back entryway of the home and were able to discover clothing belonging to Donnie Chapman toward the west side of the home and the edge of the forest. They were all folded neatly on a stump. The body of Donnie M. Chapman was discovered about 50 yards into the forest behind the home, about 40 yards to the west of where Cameron Harris was found. His body was covered in red burns, similar to the ones found on Cameron. However, his burns were of a far greater severity. Tracks showed where he had crawled from the edge of the forest to the location where he later died. It was believed that he had been the culprit of the attempted rape and kidnapping, However, no sign of Connor Harris was found, nor any DNA evidence that suggests that Donnie Chapman had ever come in contact with the child. At approximately 2100 hours, Helen S. Chapman was arrested for questioning, however she claims no knowledge of the ketamine added into the casserole. As of this writing, Connor Harris is still missing, and the investigation is still ongoing.